On this episode of No Blueprint, you'll hear a previously recorded podcast in front of a live audience on August 11th, 2018 at the Northwest Film Forum. We were joined by Colte Sorens from Resistencia Cafe, Luis and Leona Rodriguez from the Station Coffee Shop, and Solomon Duby from Cafe Avol. This live podcast was titled The Business of Coffee. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. We sit with entrepreneurs and artists across disciplines to share their stories, insight, and gems. Their journey will inspire you to think about community and your own narrative, how it shapes who you are and what your legacy will be. You're listening to No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. You are listening to No Blueprint. Cool. All right. I feel like I feel like I'm I'm still in the studio, um, getting ready to start the real podcast. This is it's usually a whole bunch of things trying to like figure out how come this mic isn't working, how come this isn't working, and so thank y'all so much for coming out tonight. I appreciate y'all, and so please give yourselves a round of applause. Yes, and. And so this is the first ever live recording of No Blueprint Podcast. Thank y'all so much for being here. It means a lot. Yes. And so really quickly, I will go through sponsors because they will, they will kick us out of here real soon. And, and, and y'all didn't come to see me. So sponsor, shout out to Four Culture. Yes, yes. Shout out to the city of Seattle, Arts and Culture. Um, Ambassador Stories, yes, that's, that's us. Uh, shout out to Hood Famous Bake Shop. If y'all didn't get an opportunity to grab some of the Vietnamese coffee cheesecake, I, please do so, and I hope you have some stuff to do tonight because you might be up. Um, shout out to the Northwest Film Forum for allowing us to utilize this wonderful space. Um, shout out to Uncode. If y'all don't know Uncode, please do your Googles and Google Uncode. They make amazing uh, video content about black folks um, all around the United States. Um, shout out to my guy, Keelum Tel Aviv. Go get his chat book um, talking about race in the Central District and gentrification. Uh, shout out to Haiti Cold Brew. Again, if you haven't gotten any of the cold brew out there, please go grab some of the cold brew. Uh, David Pierre couldn't be here tonight because he's actually um, down in Haiti doing Startup Week Haiti for the first, for first time, for the second time. And so shout out to Haiti Cold Brew. Please follow them. No Blueprint Podcast, of course, if, you, if this is your first time coming here, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. We're two seasons in. Um, without further ado, I am going to pass the microphone to someone who's very special to me, my mentor, Zithri Salim, who is a PhD candidate at the I School at the University of Washington and someone who has helped me really elevate what I do. Um, and he is going to talk about a book that he is pinning. Um, and so without further ado, please give, please make some noise for Zithri Salim. So one factual correction real quick uh, before someone hears this and kills me. I am a PhD student. I'm not officially allowed to call myself candidate until I pass my generals, which should be in uh, December. So um, I am I, as part of my PhD studies. And one of the things I focus on is social innovation and entrepreneurship. 
And specifically, I'm interested in the roles that race, gender, class, and ability play in our access to both digital media and entrepreneurship, but certainly the, the roles of those in community and how that makes community, creates community um, for non-white folks. So last year I had the um, pleasure uh, of working with Dr. Carmen uh, Gonzalez in the communications department at the University of Washington and taking her class. And one of the things I did for her class was complete a pilot ethnographic study of the station coffee shop. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that uh, was greatly inspired by the work um, Dominique had did uh, with Soul of Seattle and just getting our stories out into the forefront. But another part of that is I grew up in North Beacon Hill and seeing how much that community has changed um, and the various ways that, that it's affected uh, both me and the people in the community as I hear people talking about their challenges with gentrification and all the shifts that's happening. And I feel like the station is a special site for understanding that type of change in communities, not only in how it's happening on North Beacon Hill, but also uh, transferring that um, information to other communities in the city. So I completed an ethnographic pilot study. I have a, a long, as, as Luis and Leona will tell you, about a 35-page paper. If you're interested in that, um, Dom will flash, or he can get you my, um, my Twitter. That's the best way to get it from me. And just let me know you're interested. I'm happy to share uh, that paper with you as long as I get feedback. And that paper, essentially, we're going to take and transform along with visuals um, from the station and the community into a table book that discusses the topic of gentrification and its intersection with food and coffee in Seattle. So we're hoping to get that all put together and available for folks before summer of 2019. Um, and you can follow that work and also follow, also follow me as a scholar by just uh, tagging along on Twitter. So thank you, Domo, very proud of you, young bro. And uh, looking forward to things. Cool, cool. And so, um, if you have not been to the Station Community Coffee Shop, the Station Community Coffee Shop is located on Beacon Hill, uh, 15th and Beacon, around 15th and Beacon to be exact. I, I, Leona and Luis will be up, 16th and Beacon, my bad, my bad. Um, so Leona and Luis will be up here to speak more about that soon. Um, Cafe Avol on Rainier and South Holly. If you have not been to Cafe Avol, please check out Cafe Avol. Solomon Doobie will be coming up to speak more about that. Um, Resistencia Cafe, located in South Park. And so please, uh, when you are down in South Park, please check out Resistencia Cafe. It just opened in June. Um, Cote will, will be up in a minute to speak more about that. Um, and so first up, we are going to bring Leona Moore Rodriguez, who is the co-owner of the Station Coffee Shop that opened originally in 2010. Um, they just opened up a new shop, which is a monster and a beast of a coffee shop um, as the old station turned into a social justice library. And so please check out both of those. And without further ado, please give it up for Leona Moore Rodriguez. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Um, I'm Leona Moore Rodriguez, like Dominique said. Um, 
My husband and I opened up the station in 2010, and we didn't expect it to be as huge um, as it is now. And I don't mean like we're super rich, I mean like we're well known. Um, a lot of people know that the station is a safe place to be um, for everybody. POC, LGBTQ, homeless, people who don't have money to even buy a cup of coffee, you're welcome there. Um, you won't be kicked out if you can't afford to buy anything. Um, sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I didn't know I was gonna come first. <laughs> and I, I was telling Dominic, that's usually, I usually let Louise talk because he's the talker and I'm the face of the station. <laughs> so this, this is good for me. Uh, working at the station has made me come out of my shell quite a bit. It forces me to talk to people and get to know people. And in our community, we have such a close-knit uh, people who know us and pretty much are basically our extended family. And it's, you know, usually, it's, it's the people that are left on Beacon Hill most some people are new, but it's it's a lot of people who are still there and still trying to live there and stay there. Gentrification is huge, and Beacon Hill is becoming one of those neighborhoods with old houses in between the new square pieces of crap. Excuse me, that I hate, but that's just me. And um, it's beautiful that we're there, and we have this community that's so beautiful and. Um, <laughs> I was going to say to you, I totally forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is live, right? Damn it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember what I was telling him about the station this, earlier today. This happens every time you talk to me before I get recorded. Like, I'm trying to. <laughs> Right, right, and everyone's welcome. You can use our bathroom. There's no key to get in. You don't have to. There's no code. I mean, we're not going to watch you. We're not, you know, worried about you tearing up our bathroom if it gets tore up. We'll clean it up. Whatever. Um, we just want it to be a welcome space where people who are, um, you know, ignored or treated terribly or non-white. Uh, it's just a spot where you're comfortable and you're free to be there as long as you're not bothering anyone else, you know. And, it's, and this coffee shop is, I feel like it's different from any other coffee shop I've been in before we opened the station. Like, people talk to each other and so many relationships have been formed at the station. And I have to say it has a lot to do with um, my husband. I mean, he talks your head off. So in our small spot, and I mean that in a good way, in our smaller uh, location, before we moved into the new one, it was so tiny that you had to talk to everybody in there, so he talked to every single person and got to know everybody who came into the station, so everyone was comfortable, and it's just that type of coffee shop, and I can't imagine another one like it. Yeah. Thank you. Please, please make some noise for it. And I would actually be remiss if I did not say... Leona was born and raised in the central, in the CD, the CD. I'm a, 
clear. I don't want to be phony. I was actually born in Eastern Washington. My family is from the CD. My mother's side of the family, all from the CD. My grandmother's house is there for 50 years. And uh, I've been here most of my life. So, yeah. If you listen to the, the first episode of this season, not the central district, not the central area, it's the CD. I'm very sensitive about that. Yeah. Excuse me. But. And so I have to come, have you come see it. Am I? Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. yes, yes. And, and please, next up. The man himself, Mr. Beacon Hill, please give it up for Luis Rodriguez. I am not talking for 30 minutes. You don't? <laughs> Four minutes only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Luis Rodriguez. I'm from uh, Pajaga. So this is a joke. No. Um, I'm from Baja California, Mexico, so I am a uh, foreigner, which... You know, um, our president doesn't like our kind. Um, yes, we opened the station coffee shop. Oh, look, that's the first one. Uh, we opened the coffee shop, like she said. She pretty much uh, covered everything. In 2010, uh, we'll probably talk about why, but um, coffee is everything for me. Coffee is the beginning and the end uh, in many different reasons why, but for me as a child, uh, Coffee reminds me of my father. My father passed away in 2009. Uh, within three, four months that he passed away, I opened the coffee shop in memory of him um, because I have a tattoo of my father in my right side after he passed away. And him and I had this, this, beautiful, um, uh, this beautiful connect because of coffee. Um, at the age of five, he used to make us cafe con leche, which is coffee and milk, like a very young age. And it was basically like a quarter of coffee and, you know, tons of milk and wake up at five in the morning every day with him and remembering that like every time I take a sip of every coffee, every morning, every day, I think about my father. So, so for me, coffee is very, very special. Um, now, culture, why I love coffee besides my father is uh, because coffee is the beginning of blackness, right? So... Uh, coffee was discovered, as we already know, in Ethiopia, and there's so much root of why coffee, because, because it's the beginning, and, 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 and from there, I, I'm, I was trying to take back what belongs to our people, and that's why I'm so connected with coffee, because it represents black, and it represents Latin America, which is, you know, Africa and Latin America, and of course, they grow in other places, but it doesn't grow in Europe, and it doesn't grow in America, so it's something that belongs to us, so... That's why I love coffee. And my woman helps, you know, she's been there with me from the beginning. I love the fact that um, our kids are part of our, you know, coming in there and helping us. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing that I get to see my kids every day if I want to, you know. They walk in there, they, they come with their friends. And um, seeing, their, seeing their friends, because, you know, they're our kids, so they're like, whatever, dad, whatever. But... His, his friends are like, oh, my gosh, this is yours? This is your parents? And, and they're like, yeah, whatever. And they're like, no, oh, this is so cool. And I'm like, see? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so now they're giving us more credit, you know, than, than, than before. So I love it. I love, um, I'm always hooking them up, you know, to try to be cool, like the cool father. Like, oh, well, what do you guys want? And so we're always giving them coffee. Like, this one is on me. <laughs> this first one is on me, kids. Um, <laughs> but it's great, so that's why. So everything else she or she pretty much covers. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
And without further ado, please give it up for the owner of Resistencia Cafe, Cote Sones. So thank you so much for having us. My name is Cote Sorens. I am from Chile, little southern. Grab a boat, go left all the way down. That's, that's where Chile is. I came on my 20 crazies to Seattle. I came at 25 years old. And we opened Resistencia Coffee two months ago. We're in the third month. Uh, we opened in South Park, which is like the last Latino neighborhood in Seattle. Within Seattle city limits, I think White Center is a pretty good area as well. When I first came as a as a as an immigrant, I didn't know anyone in in, the, in in Seattle at all. And one of the places that became really important to me was a coffee shop in Greenwood at the time. It was called the Green Bean that actually uh, allowed me to meet a ton of people as a in a safe setting. I was this girl who had an accent and and it was kind of weird, but the fact that I was in a coffee shop was safe enough for people to engage me in. And I think that that place was so important for me to to plug in and, and just have a successful life in, in Seattle, like a, like a nurturing life in Seattle. Moved to South Park and, um, and at, at the time, um, there wasn't a, a place that will would be like a physical expression of all the community that is there. People who live in South Park are really into living in South Park. We, we, we love our neighborhood, but uh, there wasn't a place where people could connect that was all ages. And in addition to that, uh, we are experiencing a high amount of displacement. So places that are controlled by neighbors, by community who live in those spaces, seem, seem like really important to me. About in 2016, I had this really heavy desire to open a space so the, where we could come together and practice hospitality for everybody. And we figured that as a gentrifying neighborhood, a coffee shop was just a matter of time. So if there was going to be a coffee shop, it was better that it was owned by and for and operated by residents than for pe people who didn't really have a sense of civic responsibility to or accountability to their actions in the neighborhood. Came together with a with a group of neighbors and figured out how do we do this? Because you know, like um, opening a retail business in Seattle today is hard, and real estate is access to real estate is really difficult. And also, there wasn't much infrastructure in South Park to to just rent a space. But we stuck to it. A group of of, of neighbors, we we pulled together. We we made use of as many grants there were, and 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 we won an impact pitch competition last year. And so we gathered the capital, and and it was really important for us that the whole thing was hyper local. So if we you know, for the construction process, for example, like it was important to us that everybody who worked at Resistencia lived and represented South Park. So we were super, super fortunate to get all my friend now and, and, and sister Chisno came to be work as a barista when we had a, a little cart that we started at, at a brewery. And we were going to close for a few months while we did the build out of our new space. And I remember telling Chisuno, um, hey, we really, really like you, and, but we're going to have to close for two months because we started with a, with a cart. Uh, how do we keep you on board? And she was like, I do construction. So uh, Chisuno and I and another neighbor, Mateo, we just built our coffee shop in like two months. And we opened in June. And it's been one of my biggest fears was that this would be even though we were like bending over backwards to make it owned by community, that it would still have a ton of more privileged 
new neighbors at the shop. But it's been really beautiful to see that the people who spend time there have been long-time residents of South Park. And we've been hiring a ton of uh, youth from South Park. For some, it's their, be their first job ever. And so, you know, it's a, it's a very short amount of time that we've been open, but it, it feels that people own this shop in a very short time, and it's been super fun. Also, may I say, at this station, it's been a huge inspiration to us. Everybody was like, oh, it sounds a little bit like the station. And uh, so I'm super honored to just, I just can't believe we're like invited to the same podcast. <laughs> may I just say that? Last but, uh-oh, uh-oh, there we go. Last but definitely not least, the owner of Cafe of Old, Solomon Doobie. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, I am also honored to be at this table with everybody, um, to be recognized as uh, somebody in the community that's inspirational and um, that shoot, uh, you know, young and, and, and a minority in the community. To be able to do this has been a blessing. To be able to have the opportunity has been a blessing. Um, and to be honest, all of this really started because I was a mama's boy. Uh, interesting enough, yes, uh, starting off, you know, young, my mom uh, used to brew coffee at the house and I always found it interesting the way she would brew coffee and what she would do. Um, and so me just running around the house, I just, you know, uh, one morning, I tell the story all the time. Um, so this, for example, is a jebana. This is an Ethiopian coffee pot. Uh, this is something that you would find in any Ethiopian or Eritrean household. Um, and you'd probably see, you know, a little old lady sitting behind a little uh, table brewing coffee. And she does it in such a way that's so, um, such, just with so much passion. Um, and so when I was a kid, uh, I think I was probably like eight years old, nine years old, whatever, I uh, woke up in the morning and I thought it'd be interesting to brew my mom some coffee. And so the, the, the way we do it is we would take free, uh, fresh green bean coffee and we would uh, fry it on a frying pan and then we would uh, grind it and throw it into the jebana in the coffee pot and let it seep for about five to ten minutes. And so um, what woke my mom up was the alarm, uh, the fire alarm. Yeah, I almost, told, I almost burnt out the house. Um, she, she, wake, she woke up and she just sees me standing on the little stool uh, on a, over the frying pan and just frying some coffee beans. And she gets up, she's like, what are you doing? Um, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized that I knew a lot more than um, I, I, I did um, or that I expected that I did. Um, you know, just the, the fact that um, it's been around the household all my life. I took it for granted, and um, I got older, and one day I was dropping my mom off to work, and the inspiration came then. Um, she had her little cup of coffee in her hand that she brewed in the morning, and I, I, was, I was tired. I didn't want to drop her off. She woke me up. and like, hey, you got to take me to work. And so I got up, and I took her to work. And as we got closer to her job, I looked to my left, and I noticed a big truck and the truck had some writing on it. It said something, something coffee. And then it was at that moment that I realized that there was other coffee shops than, other than Starbucks. And I was like, what? What is this? And I was in school at that time. I was at Eastern Washington University, I'd probably back for like summer break or something like that. And um, 
and it clicked and I was always trying to find something that was going to be my niche or be my thing to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, at shit, I've been doing coffee all my life since, you know, I was a little kid. And um, here was the opportunity for me to start to explore coffee. And um, I did so. And so in 2015, I launched a campaign as I had already occupied a space in South Seattle. It was a small little convenience store that uh, a small family had ran. And I went in there um, with zero experience in running a business, with zero experience in working at a coffee shop or understanding coffee in, in this Western world that we know it to be. Um, and as, uh, as time prevailed, I, 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 I willed in a small little coffee cart and I taught myself how to, how to pull shots. I used to get on Google and YouTube and just watch anything and everything that I could find. And, um, you know, I got better at it. And once I built that confidence, it, it, it wasn't until then that I launched that campaign um, because I really wanted to turn a space into a coffee shop. And everybody in that in that area would tell, used to tell me, you know, don't use this space. This is, you know, you should go downtown. You should go do this. But um, I was able to connect with a lot of people in the community. I was able to really get to know a lot of folks. And it was a very diverse community. Um, I'm right down on Holly, Rainier and Holly, which is um, very underlooked uh, neighborhood. But um, we were able to bring people together. So after I launched the campaign, we raised enough funds to, um, well, not exactly enough funds, but we raised enough to get us going, enough to get us started. And uh, I got rid of everything in there. And, and just like you did, I, 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 you know, strapped up my boots and I started to demolish everything. And then I started to rebuild. And um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't possible unless people in the community um, inspired me and helped me get there. So, you know, I always, you know, want to thank the community and those that donated and those that supported and those that come by and support every day. Um, it's a small space and um, we're happy that we're able to bring people together. And um, I'm always excited to see new faces. And yeah, that's that's my little journey. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. What's that? Oh yeah, please lower lower your microphones and yes, that's for y'all. That's for y'all. Thank you, thank you. Dun, dun, just in, just in case, Haiti Cold Brew, everybody, uh, <laughs> please please give our panel uh, one more round of applause. I appreciate y'all. And so that was super awesome because there was a lot of different themes that came up and the one that automatically jumps out is is what you what you ended with is rolling up your sleeves getting your hands dirty and actually building out that actual space and so that's definitely something um that i want to come back to um one of the reasons why i wanted to start a community conversation with coffee is because that as a city uh, in seattle we're so known for coffee when people think about seattle you think of coffee you think of the iconic names but anybody who lives in seattle knows that in order to get good coffee you don't go to those iconic names and so that's why i i wanted to start with that um and I also wanted to center around the um, value of entrepreneurship and thinking about business. Um, 
And one of the, as our city goes through so many changes, I often am, am thinking about how do we make it more convenient for folks to support things that are hyper-local. And y'all are doing this every day, making it convenient for us to walk down the street to the station, walk down the street to Cafe Avol, walk down the street to Resistencia Cafe, um, and making it convenient and to, for us to get great coffee. Um, and so to start with, um, Luis and Leona, I want to start with y'all. Um, there's been an increase in, in, in public interest around entrepreneurship from school, industry, and government. And as the city of Seattle published data on their, on their open data source, um, small businesses continue to grow at an enormous rate. Can you talk about the value proposition for y'all in, in, in having a space like the station? Man, um, well, first of all, like as you already know, as you, if you guys went to the uh, new coffee shop, we put a, you know, pretty little penny there, you know. So we, we went, we went far and beyond what you know what we wanted because there was different reasons why. Um, we we did the whole small business and it was beautiful. We loved it. Uh, it got too big, you know, uh, in uh, customers. And I didn't want to be, I wanted to be, I wanted to be like a big company, like not for the money, but like, I was like, why do only white people get to have those really cool coffee shops, those really cool restaurants? I'm like, no, like this is, so So we spend a lot of, you know, money, time, uh, effort, um, you know, tears and sweat on building this new place. But but it was our new place, so we, we had a bigger team, we had a, so it was a little difficult, um, but it was something amazing that I, you know, um, sometimes I walk in there, to be honest with you, sometimes I walk in there and I see all the people and I, and I walk and see my place and I'm like, wow, this is, this is mine. Sometimes I, like, I forget that that's my place, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey right now, you know, in this past year and a half. Um, the other place was, like I say, it was a, it was it had a lot of, um, it had a lot of joy and it was beautiful. It was charming, but this new place has brought me like like to a, to a different uh, level. And I know that I'm not answering the question, but um, I'm just saying that it's yeah. I was gonna come to that, but that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's two of us. There's two of us. Yeah. <laughs> So, and so Leona, tell us about, um, can you tell us about the value your customers, what you've heard from customers and just folks that walk in, like I walk into the station at any given moment and I'll see at least five to 10 familiar faces. Sometimes I'll bother them. Sometimes they're in the middle of meetings. Can you talk about like just the value that you've heard from them and then personally what that means to you just seeing it? Wow, it, the familiar, familiarity, I said, familiarity of the station is pretty amazing. People, you know, um, just know that they can be there and they'll see someone they know or meet somebody new. It happens every day. And it's 
to me, that's kind of crazy for somebody who like holds up in a room by herself and then to be out and to see all that. It's, it's crazy, but in a good way. I think that's pretty great. Um, and I think that's why people gravitate towards the station because they know people, I know people go in there not all the time for coffee. They might go in there looking for somebody because they know that person's going to be there. Yeah. And they're like, have you seen so-and-so? I'm like, oh, they just left, but they'll be back. And so they'll wait for them. And it's, it, it's pretty great. I mean, it's like, it's like another home for myself because I'm there all the time. But And for a lot of other people, too. And for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, people spend hours in there. It's just a place to get away and to be comfortable and you know, not be bothered or just uh, chill. Solomon, you talked about your personal connection to coffee. You talked about um, smelling the beans from your mother um, and, and learning and, and almost burning down the house. <laughs> um, but talk about that transition from your stall in the mini mart to actually turning this into something that was full-fledged. Um, and, and you briefly touched on raising the capital and the Kickstarter campaign. Um, and that was when, I know that that was when Kickstarter had first started. But say more, please say more about that. Um, you know, to be honest, a lot of it is confidence. It's about building the confidence to be able to put something out there, you know. Um, I found it a little bit difficult for myself, you know, maybe A, because I was young, uh, a little inexperienced. But um, I just didn't know how people were going to react. I mean, I, I started thinking about this in 2010. I, I, I like, formulated my LLC in 2011, or 11 or 12. And so um, trying to occupy a space was difficult. Um, and I had, I had looked at a lot of different places. We looked at some spots in downtown. Um, and I was just young and inexperienced, really. Um, and so when I found out about this space through a friend, um, I, I didn't think I was going to turn it into a coffee shop. I didn't know what I was going to do in there. Um, it was a convenience store, and I was, again, just another, you know, I was, I was inspired about doing anything. I was like, oh, okay, let's just take the space, and um, it looks like it needs work, and uh, I know how to paint. I know how to do this, and I understand um, some elements of business, but I never, I haven't been in it. And it wasn't until I got into it and I was really, um, that two, three years, two and a half to three years, I was in, I wouldn't say I was in limbo, but I was learning. I was um, teaching, I mean, I was understanding business, understanding how to deal with vendors, um, customers, you know, um, so many customers I might have lost just because, uh, you know, just being inexperienced again. And so, um, there was a point that a good friend of mine who lived literally in the same building as me or in, in the same building as the, ca uh, the coffee shop uh, that it is today and I would always talk to her about my ideas I'd always talk to her about yeah I want to open up a coffee shop I'm, you know I've got this espresso cart sitting in here and you know um, she just said why don't you just do it why don't you just do it here? And, and, and just like you said, Luis, I'm, I'm like, man, I want, I want my coffee shop to be up here. I want it to, like, how come I can't get there? Well, I want that. I want that space. You know, I didn't really envision this space as being that. It was run down. It was old. Um, 
needed a lot of work, but once she implanted that little seed in my head, I just, I started seeing it. I started actually visualizing in the space I was in. My friends would come in and be like, come here, look at this, look at this. Stand right here. You see this? Look, the coffee. This can be here, this can be there, <laughs> this can be here. And, and, and the ball just started rolling. And um, uh, my friend, uh, her name is Colleen, by the way. She, uh, she, she was like, yeah, let's, let's, I was telling her, I don't got money to do this, you know? And um, what am I gonna do? And she just was like, just do a Kickstarter. It's like, what? I gotta tell everybody that I don't got money? <laughs> what? <laughs> Need you guys to give me money? Um, and she helped, she helped me, you know, uh, develop the, the plan. And, um, and then I just, uh, just like I, I always was, I just took it and ran with it. And um, we were blessed and we are really lucky to have uh, supporters in the community that as soon as it launched, um, it got shared and uh, got into the Seattle Times eventually. And from there, um, we just started seeing a lot of support and people really believing in my dream and my ideas. And, you know, saying, oh my God, we'd love to see a little Ethiopian coffee shop. And at that time, I, I haven't seen anything like it. And so um, we were lucky enough to raise some funds and, and do it. Yeah. Shout out to Colleen. <laughs> That's dope. But well, and, and then thinking about there's always, there's literally always that one person that is like your, your friend who was like, just do it. Just go out and make it happen. And so shout out to Jeremy, who's, who's in the audience, who told me to just do it uh, and start my business. Uh, still here today. Um, on to Kote. So I'm, I'm thinking about when I was writing these questions, I was thinking about South Park as a neighborhood. And you talked about um, hiring people from South Park. And I know that you do so much more than just run a coffee shop. And before you even started running a coffee shop, you did so much more um, community work around housing. Can you speak about some of that work and how that work helps you as you transitioned into um, running Resistencia Cafe? Sure, so uh, there are several questions there. Come on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> on, on hearing from the neighborhood, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in local economies, hyper-local economies, and, and a ton of people talk about jobs, jobs, but we, we know that you can have a full-time job and still sleep in your car these days. So I'd rather think about creating neighborhood wealth and creating ways for everyone to be able to enjoy the prosperity that Seattle is having. One of those ways, of course, is, is, is you know, hiring from the neighborhood and also all of our vendors, as much as people from the neighborhood we can have, the better. So I don't know, like, we have this stylist uh, company, The Headshed, in South Park, and, and Kelsey does my hair. And every time I pay Kelsey, I know it's going to come back to me on the, on the coffee, right? And... Uh, French Girl Organics, that, that company is, is in South Park and they, they have a company gift card. And anyway, that's just a, a small example. But how it ties with, 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 with South Park itself, this part of uh, opening a coffee shop was also a way to build infrastructure for community development. Because um, if we're not connecting with each other, uh, we can get by bypassed pretty quickly. So this, for example, like there, there are people who have a ton of influence and their decisions affect a number of us. And they're not always the best informed people. So, for example, the city of Seattle is super well-intentioned, but they have their own like 
each department has their own point of view priorities. If it's not connected to a to a well connected um, base of, of people who actually live and, and are affected by those decisions, then it can go awry, right? So it's it's been really fun to see how, for example, like some mornings at Resistencia, every table is occupied by people scheming something on behalf of South Park. So whether it's city people, whether it, whether it's like uh, artists, whether it's like, you know, we, we have the Duwamish Valley Affordable Housing Coalition and, you know, like, oh, we're meeting there with the guys from like the Office of Housing. Um, and we didn't have a space that would open, that would function like that in South Park before. There, were, there weren't any places to have a meeting. So in that sense, um, that, that was the connection for me. We have to build this infrastructure. And also that the work that I was doing for was super helpful. For example, you know, uh, getting permits for the construction. We need a master building permit. That takes months. And it's a nightmare, right? But, you know, we had good connections with the people from the Office of Economic Development because of prior work, right? So, hey, Heidi, like, uh, a revision. We're stuck on the fire revision. Do you... Uh, this person is doing it, so five minutes later, oh, it's passed, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, it's, <laughs> it's definitely about who you know. Can you, can you speak about your work in housing? I mean, it's, it's not much to show for so far, but um, years ago, started a, a group of, of, um, of neighbors. Um, we're all first-generation immigrants. Some of them have lived in the neighborhood for 20, 30 years, they had organized, they had really loved on this community, and they were like the first ones at risk of displacement. Um, so we came together and realized we needed to organize and learn about um, affordability in general. Because, you know, sometimes the city hosts these meetings and to tell you about MHA and whatnot. And the whole time, the, our energy is spent in like trying to understand the terms that they're speaking about. Um, medium income, whatever, not so. We, we came together to study actually, like these terms, and we learned. And out of that, um, we started realizing there were more people that wanted to organize. So we did um, with other groups in the neighborhood, mostly Latinos. We're trying to expand that more representation from other groups, um, the Duamish Valley Affordable Housing Coalition. So now we, we, we're trying to figure out a number of strategies um, that I'm kind of like shy to to say here because you know they're super lofty i mean i think the way that you said it of just like oh it's not important i think that's really awesome that's super cool we'll we'll see what happens and just the (laughs) and just the fact of like folks coming together to educate and understand like at a at a at a basic level what's going on right and how do we share the knowledge and it's, it's part of the reason we sit down with folks on the podcast is because i know that there's something that Luis and Leona went through that if hearing that story, the person who's out in the audience today who is thinking, man, I want to open up a coffee shop in my neighborhood um, and listening to that story, maybe you, you, you catch something from that and you hurdle. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I have one more question that's specific to Leona um, before, before we, we have questions for everyone. Um, I know that you and Luis uh, hire a lot of creatives and a lot of uh, POC folks. Can you speak to us about the value, uh, the value that these folks bring uh, into, into the, the station, station and um, why, why this practice is important to you? Oh my gosh, it's, well, it's important because um, it's, sometimes it's not always that easy to 
for young POC to get a job in coffee shops. So we definitely want to be make it clear that we can offer you position if you are willing to work hard and be there and show up and learn and support us the same way we support you, especially if you live in a neighborhood. That's a huge plus. But we're, we're, also, we're also flexible. And I know, you know, some artists, um, some of our uh, employees are artists and they're singers, performers, and they need, you know, their hours to change once in a while. So we, you know, they need flexibility, which we can offer. Um, they can sell if they can sell their CDs in the station if they want. They can play their music in the CDs if, in the CDs in the station if they want. So it, they, it's a platform as well. It's it's their place of work, but it's also a platform, and it brings us business as well because you know they they have their their fans and their friends and their families who will come in and support us as well. So it's it's a win win situation, and it's important to have to give them this exposure and to give them a job because you know. If you're a starving artist, you you have to have a day job. So, why not with us? Right. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Um, and then the next few questions, anyone can answer. Feel feel free if it if it speaks to you. Um, I want to speak about mentorship and the importance of mentorship, especially in entering entrepreneurship. Um, as we know, most of us don't enter it alone. Um, Shout out to my mentor who, who got up here earlier. Um, but can one of you speak about your personal mentor and what advice your mentor gave you in starting and running your business? What was the, what was the best piece of advice that they gave you? Anybody? Um, so <clears throat> for me, it was, not, it was not so much my mentor, but he was like, he's, he's actually my older brother. Uh, his name is Oscar. Him and I opened Java Love in 1994, which became Baja Bistro, which is up in uh, Beacon Hill as well. So I've been an entrepreneur since the age of 17. Uh, I was in high school, that's where we met. And um, so I've been an entrepreneur, not by choice, but that's what my brother, you know, made me do. And uh, I, I mean, imagine 17 years old getting up on Saturdays and Sundays at seven in the morning instead of like sleeping in till 10, 11, 12. Uh, so I hated it. I hated it. And, but it, it, it made me who I am now. You know, like I can go a night before, like no joke. I can go a night before and have some drinks with my friends and still wake up at five in the morning the next day and be like, okay, well, that was crazy. I shouldn't have done that. But I'm still like responsible. <laughs> you know, but, but that, you know, the mentorship of him, like, yo, this is what you have to do. Um, my father was also, uh, he used to, like, he was a grinder, like, he grind a lot. So, so I learned that from, from two men in my house, uh, my mother uh, being, um, you know, being at home, taking care of all the kids. I'm Mexican and Catholic, so it's nine of us, you know, it was nine of us, so she took care of all of us. So he was insane. Yeah. So, so that, like, I, I learned all of that, you know. From, all, from, from these mentors, and they were not business, let's say, mentors, but they were like mentally mentors that, to take care of me, to be like, okay, this is the steps that you gotta do. Absolutely. So I was like, yeah, that's, and that, now I'm doing that to my employees, to my kids, to you know, people that I, that I, that I can talk to. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and, no. and, and not just being 
not just being the mentee, but also being the mentor and, and yeah. passing the game. That's it. Yeah. Anyone else? Um, I mean, you know, listening to you speak about family, I mean, the one thing that I can think of was a huge, uh, you could say, mentorish or something, um, but just helped guide me into who I am and shaped me who I am as culture. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I've learned in my household and a lot of things that um, community members, whether it be via church um, or anything, um, it's the level of respect that I've learned um, to respect others and how to treat young and old um, and uh, yeah, just being a being a good person. And I think you know that we've I've and I uh, and encourage everybody else that works with us to you know bring that out at work. Um, your hospitality—that's one thing that I've I've always uh, shown at work to those that are. I call it work. I don't call it. <laughs> this is a job for me. Um, but um, yeah, that's 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 huge for me. I think it, uh, I just want to stress the importance of of having people who look like us do things and 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 be open to mentor others. You know, wh where I come from, uh, we didn't. I didn't really have much models of of women. Of, we were not encouraged to take risks or take responsibility. Like one of the reasons I ended up studying psychology was because of this whole narrative of the caregiver. And, and I ended up in a career that I don't necessarily appreciate. I mean, for myself, I, I appreciate the work of psychologists, but I don't like it. And I love entrepreneurship and, and it has been in Seattle that I've seen uh, women engage in taking risks and invite me to take risks. So Susan Hall, uh, who was my clinical supervisor, but she was a better business woman than a, than a therapist. She started this, this uh, Seattle Therapy Alliance thing and, and took tremendous risks with real estate. And, you know, like, uh, so I got excited about that and rented my first office for my private practice and wrote a huge check, super, super scared. But um, she, she continued uh, encouraging me and, and I started being comfortable with risks and kind of learning it's a muscle. And, um, and when you take risks, you find that people come alongside you and, 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 and encourage you in the way. So um, for myself, I, I get super excited when anyone comes like, hey, I have an idea, I want to start something. We, we had these kids coming to a coffee shop one day, and they, I was, I was at, a, at a meeting with, with a housing organizing, actually. Uh, and, uh, and I hear the, these kids from Rainier Valley, these, 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 these teenagers, they were like, they introduced themselves as entrepreneurs. <laughs> I'm like, say what now? So I just dropped the meeting, walked out. It was super creepy and scary. But I said, like, hey, guys, what are you doing? They were do they're doing a, a farm stand. So I said, offer anything we can do for you guys, just let us know. So now we're hosting the one location for the farm stand on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Say more. What's the farm stand, stand called? What, what is it called? Um, no, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> but we actually have a problem in, in, in South Park with accessing uh, produce and, and food. We're, we're considered a food yeah. desert. So, yeah, they, they're selling their, their products. They started last Tuesday. They're going next Saturday. Well, we will find out the name. Yeah. Yes. And, and we'll make sure we, we link everybody to the farm stand. Yes. That's amazing. Absolutely. Um, Leona. Mentorship. <laughs> um, gosh. I honestly, I I have to say, it's this man sitting next to me, because 
when we opened the station, it, I, I wasn't there to work. I actually worked in a law firm. I was at, I was a secretary in the law firm for like, I don't know, a total of eight years, but I had stayed there for the first three years that the station was open and I would just help out in the weekends and stuff. And I mean, I, you know, I supported Luis in him opening up the station by himself and getting everything built up and everything. And I, I mean, I basically, you know, followed him three years later, after, you know. So I, I have to say it's my husband, you know, I have to, you know, but yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Shout out to Luis. Um, <laughs> and so before before we open it up for Q&A, um, we'll only have time for three folks to do Q&A. Uh, so, you know, think of whoever, if you have a, the best question, please raise your hand. Uh, but before the, my last, no pressure. Uh, my last question for y'all on that, on that same note, um, tell us the resources that are in the city, um, in the organizations that either you utilized yourself or encourage folks to utilize when it comes to starting a business, um, in the city of Seattle specifically. Ooh, can I answer OED? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry to. I, I, I want to answer that because no. Yeah. no uh, when when we opened the station, we didn't go to anybody for help. I mean, we got a loan from a family member, mm. but we didn't go to any resources like through the city or anything. We just kind of like hustled. He had to hustle himself to get it open. We didn't even know. And I remember I told you before when you yep. interviewed me that people who um, who are willing to give and help out with small businesses, maybe put it out there a little bit better because we had no idea. And mm -hmm. so maybe it wouldn't have been as hard to get the station open yeah. if you would have known about the resources. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I was gonna say OED. Um, I didn't really benefit too much in the beginning, in the earlier stages, but. And OED stands for what? Office, Office of, of Economic, Economic Development. Development. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, there's tons of information, tons of resources, um, and you definitely have people in there that are PLC, that are supportive um, folks that, you know, you wouldn't really know that right. are as supportive, but they're there. I didn't, in the beginning, didn't take a lot of uh, advantage of it. I didn't know about it, um, but I feel like nowadays it's being, it's out there, you know, folks are starting to kind of, understand what resources are out there and um, I, you know that's the for me for t I tell a lot of folks hey just go there first because yeah, right. you know they've got a pool of information and resources that um, I might not know of. For me the, the, the biggest one was um, Business Impact Northwest uh, so Adra Green, no Adra Waits, Waits she just got married, um, she was my, my coach and, and he was a free service and, and we would just get together and she would encourage me and, and let me talk for hours. <laughs> and so they were, they were pretty instrumental and then you know they had this competition that, that gave us the, the first bundle of, of cash to, to, to um, buy an espresso machine. The Office of Economic Development too, and I was fortunate enough to be connected with the Impact Hub before, where I, just by virtue of being in the same place, that's one of my reasons that I'm a big believer in physical spaces. I knew about the Center for Inclusive Entrepreneurship and others. It didn't necessarily translate too much uh, into access to capital, though. That I feel that I had to hustle a little bit more on my own. 
but definitely super good resources as far as information goes. Yeah, for funding, yeah. free stuff. I mean, sometimes <coughs> OED will, um, you know, hook you up with students that'll do things for you and help, you know, whether it be research or, um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the, um, the two more, I know that the University of Washington's School of Business MBA program, I just met some folks um, from them through Gabriella, who's in the audience, who runs an uh, amazing business as well, um, and the, the Seattle Public Library. Um, Jay Lehman, actually, uh, tell, him, tell him Dominique sent you. Uh, Jay Lehman is just a treasure trove of just knowledge, um, and it's all free. Right. And he'll look up, you know, how many folks are, are taking vacation to Chile a year in your neighborhood. It's kind of creepy, but it's access, just an example of all the information that he can find, um, but help you with a business plan and all of that. Um, but cool. Do we have any audience questions? And come feel free to come down, come down, come down, please. Because you got to talk into the microphone. This is all recorded, Gamai. <laughs> oh okay hi everyone thanks for coming um 10 years from now 2028 if all your wildest dreams come true can you tell us one thing about your life or your business uh that paint us a picture what it looks like 2028 Well, um, well, she's with this president we have, right? Um, <laughs> right? If there's a 2020? If there's a 2019. Um, so, uh, she's right. So, uh, for me, I'm 41 years old. I'll be 41 in September, so next month. Um, I would love to be retired. I would love to be retired. I would love to uh, um, be somewhere in Latin America. I don't think I want to be here, to be honest with you. I don't think that, I think that this country has brought me some amazing joy and amazing uh, wealth or whatever, but it also has broke my heart many times. So I don't think I want to be here. So in 2028, probably away from here. If it goes, especially if it keeps going the way it's going. And, huh? Will the station be opened? Maybe, maybe we can have our own, you know, coffee shop somewhere else, you know? I definitely will do my research of places that, that love my people, our people, and that's where I would like to invest my money, my time, my effort, my heart, my soul, my everything. So I don't know, I, I don't think that this country really loves us, you know, completely so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, 20, what did we say, 2028, 20, 10 years? 28. Um, by that time I hope to continue on the journey of creating a sustainable market for Ethiopian coffee farmers and producers. That's always been one of my goals starting out, is building a community here in a community in Ethiopia of farmers that will, um, you know, in any way where we can impact um, both c 
communities um, in many different ways, whether it be innovation, whether it be um, resources or anything. Um, yeah, I could just picture myself in a small little farm in Ethiopia right now, you know, working and engaging and just kind of like just being impactful. And you know, starting the starting this coffee company, starting the coffee shop, uh, that was always my goal was to get to that point, and I've gotten closer and closer every every year. And so, um, you know, Cafe Alpha was just the beginning, and I hope to continue to expand that. My my hope ten years from now is that I had um, started uh, several initiatives that have created. Um, um, opportunity for people, either employment, career development, or housing. Um, hoping that people in South Park are able to, the same people who live there now, are able to thrive in place <laughs> in 2020. It's, it's scary to think 10 years from now in Seattle. But um, but yeah, I hope that, um, you know, I've started a few a few things in, in my life, and I um, just would like to, to start several more that Okay. Yep. All right, 2028. Hmm. Yep. Okay. If all is good and it ends, I was going to say, I was going to say, if all is good, I'm going to come retire with you too. So all right. I'm, right. right. I'm yeah. with him on the journey yeah. of retirement. So, yeah. I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to be retired tomorrow. I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to lay down right now. No, actually, I actually love being at the station. I love being there. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind being retired. And as long as I'm kept, buy me things and take care of me. <laughs> no. I'll climb in a pine coconut and be like, this is what I pray. Hey, I'll take it. No, I, I wouldn't mind being retired. I just want the communities to, to, our community to stay, um, you know, mixed with POC and LGBTQ and everybody and not push everybody out who can't afford to live there. I just want it to be, I, I'm hoping for my sons who will be, what, 25 and 21 in 10 years. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's a crazy thought. I would love for them to still be on Beacon Hill living there and, you know, hopefully raising their family or maybe run the shop um hopefully that's in the shop still thriving and yeah maybe they can run it and you know we can you'll be out here and we'll be out here right. they'll send us money they'll send us yeah. money we'll come visit yeah. I'm, I'm coming with y'all yeah I'm please saying. everybody's welcome <laughs> yeah. um i i so i want to give space for uh someone who identifies as a woman to ask a question um so if there's anybody who uh one more question that we have. I, I do want to make sure that we give space for someone who identifies as a woman to ask a question. And I want to be intentional about that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for making that space specifically. Um, and then also I just want to fill in a blank. It's the Seattle Parks and Recreation Farm Squad. Hey. That is... <laughs> Uh, yeah, coming into Resistencia. And um, also a vision that I have as a part of Resistencia is that in 10 years, I would love to have a space where people with developmental disabilities in particular 
are hired and that space is created for them because I feel like cafes are actually a really good opportunity for those individuals. Um, <laughs> and that said, um, having the kind of spaces that you have, the kind of cafes that you have that are here to um, create space other than gentrification, what is your... Do you see that you, or do you ever have moments where you feel that you're being gentrified? Do you ever have moments where you look around and you're like, oh, this, there's a lot of white people, there's a lot of that new environment, and how do you respond to that? And do you feel that at all, or does it just feel like we're all, we're all welcome here, and that's, it's not an issue? Um, just like, what is your view on that? Do you ever feel gentrified, and how do you handle that? <coughs> Um, yes. so the station, the station, uh, the way the station is, uh, the station is a community coffee shop and the way I broke it down community was three words, um, responsibility, accountability, and unity. So my job as a member of my community is to hold my community responsible so to to so we responsible about if they are gen, gen, if there are new gentrifiers who are coming into my neighborhood i will have this that conversation to be like welcome to my neighborhood be responsible to put your money in our businesses around here if you're going to come and live and basically move a family from this neighborhood be responsible to spend your money in this neighborhood. Don't come here, displace a family, and then spend 90% of your time and money and everything else in, in another neighborhood. They don't need your money. This neighborhood needs your, your money. Um, so that's responsibility. Accountability is holding them accountable to do that. So, and unity is once we, there's nothing we can, if Brooklyn couldn't do it, if, <laughs> if Oakland couldn't do it, if, East LA couldn't do it, meaning stopping gentrification, Beacon Hill is definitely not gonna do it. Mm -hmm. so, so there's nothing we can do about stopping gentrification, but we can hold them accountable, we can hold them responsible, and we can unite and be like, okay, now how can we make our neighborhood uh, still a neighborhood, you know? And my responsibility is hire POC. My accountability is people holding me accountable to be like, hey, you said that you were going, that you were going to hire LGBTQI members, and you haven't. And once I do those two things, we can unite as one community by having those things. So, yeah, that's my take. Oh, mine. I have something. <laughs> What was you're talking about gentrification and the, how we sometimes feel like it's super gentrified? It does feel that way in the station sometimes. Sometimes there'll be nothing but people of color, and then sometimes there'll be nothing but white people. But the only thing that bothers me is when someone new comes to the neighborhood and says, Welcome to the neighborhood. I didn't, this is a nice new shop. And I'm like, <laughs> Enough, we've been here since 2010. We just moved. We're not new. We are new. So <laughs> I don't say that. Yeah. But <laughs> thinking it, but I do make it clear. I'm like, no, we've been here for a while, and we're just in a new location, mm -hmm. and it's pretty and it's shiny, but we're still the same people. 
the vibe is just bigger and that's you know nothing has changed except the location i love when they think that the owner is a white person people are shocked when they find out yeah. that we're owners they're yeah. shocked when they find out that we're married yeah. it's funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah. It's, it's pretty great actually it's nice yeah. so i'm like yes, yes. we own it <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, gentrification. <laughs> I mean, you know, I take gentrification, I take the root of the definition, and I don't, I, I, it, it's hard for me because um, displacement is the biggest issue. Um, you know, uh, anybody with money, doesn't matter race, color, religion, can come in and gentrify a neighborhood. I gentrified my neighborhood just because I poured a little bit of money into this coffee shop, and now the place looks lively enough for any you know, um, rich person to come into the community and spend some money. But as far as displacement, um, you know, I think that's uh, the, the, the challenge is, um, you know, educating folks on how to create wealth and how to, uh, you know, um, be a part of change, um, which is um, something that we lack. And, um, you know, sharing information and um, resources is important, and I think, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely see a lot of new faces in my neighborhood, um, but it doesn't stop me from continuing my journey, um, and so I just continue to just do me, unfortunately. <laughs> So, so, so Luis really messed me up with the comment on Brooklyn, Brooklyn couldn't do it, Oakland couldn't do it, right? Um, and um, in a way, um, the name of the shop, Resistencia, was a little bit of being aware that it's, um, it's almost a lost battle from the get-go. But one thing that I have, one gift of our tradition, of our Latino tradition that I've received is the notion of si se puede, which is no matter how, um, how bad the odds, we're still gonna give it a shot. Because maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we can do it. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, one of my, my biggest fears is, is what's going to happen with, with Seattle in 10 years. Are we going to be a, 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 a wealthy ghetto? You know, are, 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 are buildings going to be empty? You know, there, there are places in London, for example, that luxury condos and they're all empty or, or, or storefronts that are empty because they're crazy and unaffordable. Um, so that's, that's a big fear of mine. And, and, and sometimes that, um, the, the, the seats or, or, the, uh, or the route to that expresses itself in um, all, most new neighbors are, happen to be white, right? And they come and they, and they, and they love it. And, and, and um, so I, I like what you said about responsibility and accountability. I mean, I, I, I am new to South Park. I, I'm, I'm there like four years, you know, and that's not a long time. And, and, but I'm also aware that I owe the fact that I, that I was able to move and live in South Park and start a coffee shop to the work of first-generation immigrants, moms, who fought for that community 20 years ago. Um, so how do we work to preserve um, those neighbors in place? It's, it's a big question for me. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, we, we, we can burn ourselves 
out trying to do it all, but um, just, I, I guess, like planting seeds of, of, of community and planting seeds of, of finding, like striking a collaborative chord in, with, with the work we do every day. And, and, and so I don't think there's nothing irrelevant about a cup of coffee these days. For sure. <clears throat> well, thank you all for sitting on this panel. Thank you for your wonderful questions. And thank you all for, for sitting um, and listening to us do our first live podcast. I really appreciate it. Please give our panelists a, a round of applause. Yes. Yes. And so before um, before we go and, and we'll, we'll all exit out pretty quickly because I think they have something else starting in like 10 minutes. Um, I wanted to make sure that, first of all, um, I gave a big thank you and shout out to my wonderful, amazing fiance, Diana Trin, um, for, for always being there. Um, she graduates in two weeks from the PA program. You rock. Um, <laughs> I, I also wanted to give a huge shout out to my sidekick, Yoshko Ueda, who's right here and holds us down every week um, on the podcast. Um, also, Tay Thatch, who came in this season to run behind the scenes camera and the reason why the camera looks 30 times better than it did the first two episodes when I did it myself. Um, my sister-in-laws, uh, Emily, Jessica, Lydia, who also fill in uh, for the camera work as well. And all of y'all for, for listening um, and tuning in to us uh, every week. We really appreciate it. And so thank you all. Please take some cheesecake because I don't want to take any cheesecake home. Uh, please get some more coffee. Um, and yes, thank you all and stay tuned. Peace and love. If you liked what you heard, be sure to donate so we can keep going. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. We also want to know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can even use the hashtag NoBlueprint. And if you're really down with the movement, you can join our Patreon account and become a patron, where you'll get exclusive content and limited edition merchandise. No Blueprint is powered by Ambassador Stories. We share stories of the people, places, and spaces that bring soul to our communities. No Blueprint is recorded at Ambassador Stories Studios and co-produced with me, Maya Aina. Hear more episodes of No Blueprint and get official No Blueprint merchandise at noblueprintpodcast.com.